Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. Welcome to another episode of the Text Driven Podcast, where we are hoping to provide you with resources that will help you to live a text-driven life. God has outlined in His Word everything that we need in order to live uh, a life that is honoring to Him. Uh, God's Word is fully sufficient for all matters concerning life and godliness. And our goal here with the Text Driven Podcast is to help you to live in light of what God has said in his holy word. And to help us do that, help us to study scripture and to to think through God's word, we're looking at a book by Eugene Peterson entitled A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And if this this is your first time listening uh, to this podcast, let me encourage you to go back to some of the previous episodes in order to kind of catch up on where we are in this series as we're looking at today, chapter 15. And Peterson is walking through those chapters in the book of Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And today's psalm for this episode is Psalm 133. Psalm 133. And the topic that we're going to be discussing is the topic of community. Community. It is essential in your journey of Christ-likeness that you do this journey in community with other believers. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. These three verses help us to understand Christian community and how essential community is for the Christian life. The very beginning of chapter 15 on page 169, listen to some of these quotations out of Peterson's book. He says, whether we like it or not, the moment we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, That is, from the time we become a Christian, we are at the same time a member of the Christian church. He goes down just a little bit further and he says this, We can no more be a Christian and have nothing to do with the church than we can be a person and not be in a family. Membership in the church is a basic spiritual fact for those who confess Christ as Lord. 
I got to tell you something. That is a topic, a community in the Christian faith. It is a topic that is greatly neglected in today's time. And partly the reason why it is neglected is because so many people have claimed to be hurt by other Christians. You would not be surprised at how many people I talk to as a pastor that say, I'm never going to come to church because of how much people inside the church have hurt me. And I've even heard this statement. I love God, but I hate his church. And that statement right there is almost said in a pious manner that communicates this. I can have my Jesus, but I don't need his family. As if that's okay. I think Peterson rightly states that you cannot be a Christian and be secluded from the church, just like you cannot be a person and not have a family. To be a Christian is to be a member of a church, and to be a person is to be part of a family. So here's how I want you to think about this. At the point of salvation, when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and you become born again, the Bible describes you at that point in time a Christian, a Christ follower. And for those who believe by faith, he has given the right to be called children of God. Now that phrase, children of God, that is used in John chapter 1, speaks of our community as a family. So at the point of salvation, you become a Christian and your Christianity is shown through your church membership. Listen to what Peterson says at the bottom of page 169. He says, we are a family in Christ. When we become Christians, we are among brothers and sisters in faith. No Christian is an only child. He says on page 170, at the end of that, kind of finishing out that paragraph, he says, if God is my father, then this is my family. If you're part of the Christian faith, then you are part of a family. And that family is the family of God, of other brothers and sisters who are also Christ followers. Now that family is realized, it is tangibly expressed in what we call a local church. So if you're listening to this episode, you're not a member of a local church, but you would profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Then if I could so strongly encourage you, you need to be in a church. You not only need to be in a church, you need to be part of a church, and you need to connect yourself to that community of believers. If you live in Southwest Florida, it would be our joy to say to you, welcome home as you come and join the fellowship family at Fellowship Church. But it is critically important that we live out our Christian life in community with one another. Listen to what Peterson says. 
He says, so the question is not, am I going to be part of a community of faith? But how am I going to live in this community of faith? You see, you don't have a question in the matter. You, you can't ask, am I going to be part of a community of faith? No, if you're uh, uh, a follower of Jesus Christ, it is commanded of you to be part of a community of faith. So the question is not, should I, can I, am I going to be part of a church? The question should be, how am I going to be part of God's church? How am I going to express my relationship with God through a community? Listen to what he says in that paragraph. He says, God's children do different things. Some run away from it and pretend that the family doesn't exist. Some move out and get an apartment on their own from which they return to make occasional visits, nearly always showing up for the parties and bringing a gift to show that they really do hold the others in fond regard. And some would never dream of leaving, but others to dream it for them. For they are always criticizing what is served at the meals, quarreling with the way the housekeeping is done, complaining that the others in the family are either ignoring or, or taking advantage of them. And some determine to find out what God has in mind by placing them in this community called a church. Learn how to function in it harmoniously and joyously and develop the maturity that is able to share and exchange God's grace with those who might otherwise be viewed as nuisances. Wouldn't it be great if we were all like that last person who desires to find out what God has in mind for putting us in a community called a church and to see how God's grace is at work. On page 170 and 171, listen to some of the things Peterson brings out in this chapter. He says on the bottom of page 170, Scripture knows nothing of the solitary Christian. People of faith are always members of a community. For the Bible knows nothing of a religion defined by what a person does inwardly in the privacy of thought or feeling or apart from others on a lonely retreat. You say, well, what's Peterson getting at there? Christianity is not a lone ranger faith. Christianity is spoken of in the Bible as a communal faith, a community faith. You cannot live Christianity apart from your brothers and sisters in Christ. For God has uniquely put them in your life for the purpose of helping you know God. For the purpose of helping you look like Christ. If you've got a Bible, I want you to think with me about a passage of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says something so extremely interesting. Listen to what he says, beginning in verse 34. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. And when the Pharisees heard that he was silenced, the Sadducees, they gathered together. 
And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Now, many of us in our Christian faith stop right there at verse 38, that our sole purpose is to just love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And it's a very individualistic way of thinking. But that's not where the passage ends. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 39. And a second commandment is like it. Now, what does he mean by that? What does he mean that the second commandment is like the first? What he means is it is as important as the first. It is necessary as the first. Just as it is important to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, it is also equally as important to follow this second commandment. What is the second commandment? Verse 39, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Do you see what Jesus is saying there? That in order to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you must also love your neighbor as yourself. And to do that means that you are in community with them. Community is an essential part of the Christian faith. Listen to what Peterson says on the bottom of page 171. Christians make this explicit. Now, what, what is the this he's referring to? Well, the community, the loving of your neighbor. Listen, Christians make loving your neighbor explicit in their act of worship each week by gathering as a community. Other people are unavoidably present. As we come to declare our love for God, we must face the unlovely and lovely fellow sinners whom God loves and commands us to love. This must not be treated as something to put up with or of the inconvenient necessities of faith in the way that paying taxes is an inconvenient consequence of living in a secular and free nation. It is not only necessary, it is desirable that our faith have a social dimension, a human relationship. You know, many of us view other Christians as just a necessary evil till we get to heaven. For we would prefer to be locked up in our homes and just loving Jesus all by ourselves. And we really have no desire to see any Christians, no desire to be around any other believers, no desire to participate in a faith community. He says that is not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is not where we view church as a necessity, but rather it is something that is desirable, even with people who are sinners just like us, where we desire to be in one another's presence because it is through that that we will see God readily made known to each other. What are two things that contribute 
to avoiding community. On page 172 through uh, page 174, Peterson says there are two things that deteriorate a community. First off, when in the community, you do not view your brothers and sisters as people, but instead you view them as problems to be solved. That's often how we think of people, isn't it? That everybody is a problem and that you are God's gift to fix that problem. That everybody is an issue. Everybody needs your wisdom. Everybody is messed up but you. You know, it's interesting to me how many people always are pointing the finger at somebody else instead of looking in the mirror themselves. And when you approach church, when you approach community in that way, that everybody around you is a problem that needs to be solved, you will deteriorate Christian community. So that's the first one that that Peterson deals with. He says um, this on page 173. He says, it is far easier to deal with people as problems to be solved than to have anything to do with them in a community. And it's true, isn't it? It's a lot easier to treat people as problems to be solved than it is to be in community. Why? Because if they're a problem to be solved, then you can leave their problem uh, at church when you go home. But if they're really part of a community, and if you're really tied together as a family, brothers and sisters in unity together, then you can't just leave their problem at church when you go home. No, they're part of your family. You're burdened for them. You care about them. You love them. You are troubled in your own spirit for their own spiritual maturity. Instead, too many of us view people as problems to be solved instead of people to be loved. So that's one thing that happens that deteriorates community. The second thing that happens uh, that can deteriorate community is when we view, uh, when we stop viewing brothers and sisters as people and we only view them as means of progress. Means of progress. Now, what do I mean by means of progress? Peterson brings this out on the page, on bottom of page 173. He says, another common way to avoid community is to turn the church into an institution. In this way, people are treated not on the basis of personal relationships, but in terms of impersonal functions. Goals are set that will catch the imagination of the largest numbers of people. Structures are developed that will accomplish the goal through planning and organization. Organizational planning and institutional goals become the criteria by which the community is defined and evaluated. In the process, the church becomes less and less a community, that is, people who pay attention to each other, brothers and sisters, and more and more a collectivism of contributing units. You know, the people in your church, the people in my church, they are not merely assembly line workers meant to produce some type of achievement so we reach our goals. No, they're truly family. 
community. They're, they're not robots accomplishing tasks, progress. They're people who are maturing in their faith. This is what's, this is what's meant by the psalmist when he says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together. Let me ask you, do you view church as good and pleasant? I already hear you. You're probably thinking right now, no, can't stand some of the people in my church. You know, maybe, just maybe the problem isn't those people. Maybe the problem is you. You know, if if church is really family, and community is really what God intends for each Christian, maybe maybe you should stop thinking so individualistically. Maybe your decision-making that you're, that, that you're thinking about, maybe you should include in that decision-making your family. Maybe you shouldn't always be looking to fix people. Maybe you should look to love people. You see, we don't need to be as concerned with problems solved and goals met as we are about a community of people who love one another, who are together in unity with one another, who are seeking to accomplish what God has and serves one another faithfully like a family would brothers and sisters dwelling together in unity. How do we accomplish this? In the time that we have remaining, let's look at the rest of the Psalm because the rest of the Psalm gives us two illustrations about how this community, this family, a church is maintained. And the first illustration that is given is that of oil being poured onto the head of a priest and that oil running down their face through their beard and into their clothing as they are consecrated for the service God has for them. So what is the the first way we cultivate this family, community mindset in the Christian faith, living in community with one another. How do we do that? We view each person in our church as a priest whom God has sent for our good and his glory. Notice what Peterson says on page 175. Here, the oil is an anointing oil, marking the person as a priest. Living together means seeing the oil flow over the head, down the face, through the beard, onto the shoulders of the other. And when I see that, I know that my brother, my sister, is my priest. When we see the other as God's anointed, our relationships are profoundly affected. 
Diedrich Bonhoeffer, said this, Our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. He goes on to say, And what Christ has done is anoint us with his Spirit. We are set apart for service to one another. We are priests who speak God's word and share Christ's sacrifice with each other. At the bottom of page 175, Peterson says this, The Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer and a proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. What's he saying in that? He's saying there are times in the Christian life when, when Christ in us, we are, we are weak in that area and we need uh, our brother or sister in Christ to speak God's word to us, to help mature us, to help strengthen us in the places where we are weak. Because if we don't have one another, we will remain weak, immature Christians. You know, God meant for our maturity to come through the means of a local church through one another. He also goes on to talk about the second illustration. And the, the second illustration that he deals with in verse 3 is that of the dew from Mount Hermon. And, and dew was used in the Bible to represent a new, fresh morning. And if we're going to cultivate, listen carefully, if we're going to cultivate Christian community that is necessary for our own Christ-likeness, then the only way this is going to happen is if we live with the expectation that God is going to be doing a new and a fresh and a good work in one another. Lamentations 3 tells us his mercies are new every morning. He says this, uh, Peterson says this on page 176, important in any community of faith is an ever renewed expectation in what God is doing with our brothers and sisters in faith. The bottom of that same page, he says this, a community of faith flourishes when we view each other with this expectancy, wondering what God will do today in this one and in that one. When we are in community with those Christ loves and redeems, we are constantly finding out new things about them. They are new persons each morning, endless in their possibilities. We explore the fascinating depths of their friendship, share the secrets of their quest. It is impossible to be bored in such a community, impossible to feel alienated among such people. So just as the oil represents uh, the anointing of God that means that we are to serve one another. The dew represents our expectation that God's mercy and his grace is at work. And our brother or sister 
in Christ. If you keep those two perspectives in mind, perspective one, that God has placed you to be a, a servant, a priestly servant to other believers, and if you keep in mind number two, that God is doing a work, a good, fresh, grace, mercy-filled work in the people of your church, I promise you, you're going to have a Christian community. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Text Driven Podcast. For more resources like this one, go to our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. Until next time, please know that we're praying for you to live a text-driven life. God bless.